Your hymn is on your brown sheet, TLH 116, to the name of our salvation. We're at the bottom of the page with stanza number four for tonight. Tis the name that whoso preacheth, Tis the name that whoso preacheth, speaks like music to the ear. Speaks like music to the ear. Tis the name that whoso preacheth speaks like music to the ear. Tis the name that whoso preaches speaks like music to the ear. So, the name of Jesus. When someone preaches to me, then Jesus preaches to me who he is and what he has done. Uh, it's like music to my ears. It's that what I want to hear. If I go to a service and mention Jesus, ah, um, what a problem. Um, that's what I go to hear. I go to hear about the one who is uh, my Savior. Who in prayer this name beseecheth who in prayer this name beseecheth? Sweetest comfort findeth near. Sweetest comfort findeth near. Who in prayer this name beseecheth? Sweetest comfort findeth near. Who in prayer this name beseecheth? Sweetest comfort findeth near. So to call upon him is to have him answer our prayers. Uh, we know that he is a loving God. We know that he is the one who wants us to call upon him. Uh, and thus, whoever calls upon him gets the comfort that he needs. Uh, that's what our Lord has promised. Who its perfect wisdom reacheth? Who its perfect wisdom reacheth? Heavenly joy possesses here. Who its perfect wisdom reacheth, heavenly joy possesseth here. Who its perfect wisdom reacheth, heavenly joy possesseth here. Yes, the word that is an S-T or an F-T-H, try to get that right. The Greeks think of Jesus and the message of his cross as foolishness. Uh, uh, the Jews, what about us? It is perfect wisdom. It is that which uh, summarizes what we need and what he is going to give is comfort. And so uh, it speaks about the heavenly joy that we receive from knowing revelation of Jesus or the forgiveness of sins and all that he provides. So it gives us that which is heavenly joy. Alright, stanza number four.
sacrament of holy baptism in the catechism. What does such baptizing with water indicate? Answer, it indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. With all sins and evil desires. Be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. Be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise. To live before God. To live before God. In righteousness and purity forever. In righteousness and purity forever. So, this baptism that we have, what is it? It's baptism and the Word. What does it give? Forgiveness of sins, life and salvation. How can water do such great things? Well, it's not just the water. God has given us His Word, and faith trusts in that Word and so it is God's doing. God is going to use this external uh, element. He's going to turn it into a water rich in grace. And goes on to speak as Titus 3. So, having been baptized, and baptized once, we talked about there's only one <coughs> baptism, we say, what does this indicate? That, you know, we have Lord's Supper, and we Take that often in remembrance of him for the forgiveness of sins. But baptism uh, is only done once. And then we say, yep, you're a Christian. Uh, you've been baptized. Well, a Christian, someone who's been united with Jesus, obviously, that's what baptism does. It unites us with Jesus so that we get forgiveness of sins. But what about this one baptism? Well, this goes on to say it indicates, it shows us, it is a picture of what our life is in Jesus. Now that you are a baptized Christian, what does that mean? Well, it indicates the old Adamish, and by daily contrition, there's going to be a daily thing. That is, we're going to daily die to sins and daily rise to new life. That's a baptism. You die to sins, you rise to new life. So we're going to live in our <coughs> baptism. We get up in the morning, you say, yep, time to remember the baptism. Die to sins. Sorry for my sins. I'm going to rise to lead a new life, trusting in his forgiveness. End of the day, I remember the sins that I've done. I'm going to confess those sins. I'm going to kill those off. And I'm going to rise to a, a new life, that is to trusting in Christ and uh, his forgiveness, knowing that I'm told. When I find that I have sinned, it's time again to live in that baptism, to put to death my sins. Confession, absolution. Confession, absolution. Confessing my sins, receiving the absolution, trusting in that uh, forgiveness. What does it indicate? It indicates, here's what kind of life we're going to lead as a Christian. It indicates that the old Adam in us, 
let's start off. What is the old atom? It says there's an old atom in us. What is it? Mark? It's our sinful nature. Alright, it's a sinful nature. Um, when did you get it? When I was conceived. When you were conceived. Hmm. So, when did you get rid of it? So you've got this old Adam, you've got this sinful nature. Um, it's been with you since you were conceived. It clings to you. You would say wherever your flesh is, that's where he is. Um, what is that? What about that sinful nature? Um, what kind of what kind of old Adam is he? What is he? Persistent. What does he do? Persistent. He's very persistent. Ooh. And inherited. And what? And inherited. And inherited. Alright. Um, yes, it's been passed down. What else? It's, it's not like a bad habit you can work on to get rid of. It is thoroughly corrupted us. Oh! It's not something I can... He says, if it's a habit. And a habit, you say, well, habits are tough to break. Maybe I can break this. Can you break it? Says I can't get rid of this habit. I can't take. I can't take care of this. Um, more than that, Brian said he's bad. Um, I got a. Uh, it's the uh, the Johnny Carson uh, thing, you know. I got a bad sinful nature. How bad is he? Right? How bad is he? That means that every day 
and every moment of every day, you're going to have to fight him. When you got baptized, well, let me say it another way. Before you got baptized, that sinful nature was in control. He said, let's do something. And you said, all right, that sounds good. Uh, now, the only time you might say, well, I don't know if I want someone else to come. I'm, I'm going to hide that until I'll do that at night when nobody sees me. Or uh, your sinfulness says do something, and you might say, well, you know, that might cost me a ticket. Uh, that might cost me uh, jail time. I may not want to do that. Um, and so you might have not done that simply because you were restrained by laws or rewards or other things that you desired as well. But other than that, your sinful nature said, let's do it, you do it. When you were baptized, your now indicates that you're going to kill that old Adam. You're going to kill him. You can't do anything other. Karen, rotten, scoundrel, you can't train him. You can't put a tie on him and make him look better. Well, you dress up for lies. No, he doesn't. He'll he always, you've got to give in to him. No. Compromise? No. Kill him. That is, you have to confess. This is sinful and unclean. It is I am sinful in my thoughts, words, and deeds. You have to say, this is uh, I am dead in my transgressions. This is this is a dead man. That's what you do with it. What is it in? It indicates that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition, that is sorrow for sin, and repentance, confessing what we have done, that will kill him off. That's the only way to kill him off. The old Adam should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires. In baptism, we talk about going under the water. We talk about drowning the uh, old Adam. It comes by confession. That's the way that we do it. He is to die. How often does he come back? As soon as we're done. <laughs> There's not a time he doesn't come back. Uh, he never leaves. What now? He never leaves. He never leaves. Uh, I keep killing him off. I keep telling him no. I keep confessing and receiving forgiveness, and he's still there talking up. Hmm. And that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. What about this new man? We've got the old Adam. What about the new Adam? The new man. Who is that? The same. I'm a sinner and a saint. I've been forgiven. I have been given a new man. Sometimes we even talk about Christ living in us, in which this new man speaks up against the old one. And there is a fight going on. And so this new man says to us, let's go to church. Let's go hear the word of God. This new man says, no, don't listen to him. Kill him off. This new man says, you're a child of God. Would you say the new man sitting on the throne? Or how do you speak 
Very good. Uh, usually we use the, the imagery, and, and, and I've used the imagery of sitting on a throne. The reason that I say this, this is not, when I talk about us having a Satanist center, an old man and a new man, I don't want you to get the idea that this is some kind of Eastern yin-yang, whatever, in which this is the black and white, and they're both equal, and they're both kind of hanging around, and, and sometimes it's this, and sometimes it's this, and, and no, no, no. What we're saying is, is that what has happened? Your old man clings to your sinful flesh. Think of your body, your flesh. And we say, wherever your flesh is, that's where it is. But someone has come, and I have been given a new heart. I've been had a new spirit placed upon me. When I am a Christian, it is not that I am a, you know, being made against my will. God actually changes my will. So that the new man, in effect, sits on the throne. But just like in a kingdom, though there is a king on the throne, it doesn't mean that bad things aren't happening. And so we do have two fighting. But if ever, someone's always sitting on the throne. If the old Adam returns to the throne, you're no longer a Christian. So there is a new man, and he is going to continue to fight. Now, this is a fight. This is a choice. There is always going to be the old man hanging around the throne, across, according to your flesh, who's always going to be speaking up. And it's, it's going to be confusing. For you to kind of say, gee, I wonder who's, you know, you can't be trying to figure that out because it's always going on. What you do is, you always kill the old Adam and you always trust in the word of God, hear the words of absolution. That's your only endeavor. Isn't that why we confess sins that we don't even know we did? Yes, yes, I don't even know the one, right. Um, God says I'm thoroughly sinful. I, only a small amount of them do I actually come to a knowledge of. Yes, absolutely. And we have to be in God's Word all the time because He continues to point out the lies that our sinful nature is telling us. Correct. Now, most of the time, when the law comes to you and it points out your sins, I am a sinner. When my sinful nature says, don't believe Him, you're a rotten sinner, He always gets half of it right. The part is, you're a rotten sinner, is true. But when he says, don't believe it, you say, no, get out of here. Um, I don't know uh, uh, I, how that, I, if at any point I have a simple name, have that thought together, you confess it. Why? If he's not on the throne, I'm going to kick him off it. <laughs> I don't want that sinful nature speaking up. I'm not going to obey what he has to say. Pastor? This passage in Paul that we're going to read in a little while. Think about what we've been studying in Bible class on Sunday. David. What do we know for sure about David? He was a righteous man because the scriptures tell us he was a righteous man. How does he act? And just like a sinner, <laughs> it, it's impossible to tell whether or not David is a righteous man if you look at him from outside. But we know that he's a righteous man. How? 
because the scriptures tell us. Hence, if you want to know whether you're righteous or not, where do you go? You look at your baptismal certificate, and what does it say? I've been given a new life. The new, the, 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 the Christ lives in me. I am a righteous man. Now, logically, we're going to have a lot of trouble with that. But scripturally, that's just the way it is. If we confess that we are sinners in thought, word, and deed, can you look to your thoughts to determine if you're a Christian? How about your words? How about your deeds? No, that's what pastors say. So where do you have to go? Go to the Word of God. The Word of God alone tells me. That's how I know. So it's going to be pointing out all these things. What does your baptism do? I'm going to live in my baptism. I'm going to continue to say all those things are not me. I belong to Christ. There will be there will be times in which forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There are going to be times when you're going to forgive someone else. You're going to go, wow, I, I couldn't have done that without the Holy Spirit. Um, you're going to say no to your sinful nature and it's going to surprise you. You're going to, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit working, of course he is. This baptism, though, it indicates the, the, the life that we live, a life in which the new Christ, the new man, is going to continue to speak up again and again and again so that we might hear his words of absolution and we might trust in it. And, and in fact, the new catechism that Pastor Reinecke wrote, new man, is capitalized in that Why? Because it's Christ in us who does all that. Paul speaks of that in Romans. Right. Um, we're going to do Romans chapter 6 as well. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. We were therefore buried with him. We were therefore buried with him. Through baptism into death. Through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We too may live a new life. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that Christ, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We have a buried and we have a new life to live. Bear the sins, confess the sins, receive the word which God has given that we might live a new life. This is what God has given us in our baptism. It's what we live in. We're baptized once, but we live in this new cycle confession, absolution, continually. That is our life. Sometimes the early church fathers speak of it this way. They say, uh, you were baptized uh, into Christ, that is, you were placed in the water, and so you're going to have to live in that water. 
like a fish, if you're pulled out of the water, you have no life. So you also see, not real well at night, but even in the baptismal waters of Christ, there is a fish uh, that is in there. That is us. We have been uh, brought together with Christ. And so we live in our baptism. We live like water, never going away from it. Questions? Bible passage for tonight. Familiar one. Psalm 50:15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And you will honor me. And you will honor me. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Call upon me in the day of God tells us that when we are in trouble, that we are to call on him. The fact is, is that most people do not call upon God when they are in trouble. So why not? Why don't they call upon him in the day of trouble? Because we want to fix it ourselves. Well, so I think I can take care of this. I don't need his help. Hmm. What else? Mark? Lack of faith in his promise to do so. All right. Has he given me a promise? Yes. Should I trust him when he says? You should. Absolutely. Do I but always? I know maybe he won't. Um, now, why would I think that? Why would I not have faith in his promise? What is it that I would? What's getting in the way of this? old man we were talking about earlier? Yeah, what's he telling me? Uh, he definitely mean that. He says, I don't think you ought to do that. You better not call on God's too busy. Oh, he may be too busy for you. That is, he doesn't care. Or, he shouldn't let you get trouble started. You, <laughs> ah, it's your trouble, not his. Um, this is another thing we might think we, we deserve what, what we got. That God is punishing us, or, or we could be mad at God. Ah, I deserve this. That is, if I come to him, he will say to me, Oh, it's your bed, you slept in it. You did that, that's you're getting what you deserve. And that's what he'll say. Um, which means the only time I really need to call upon him is when I don't deserve it. That is, when I've earned it. <laughs> that's exactly where that goes, doesn't it? Or I'm mad at God. Why? I didn't do what I wanted. Yeah. I didn't give me what I wanted. Um, or we say it in another way. I don't deserve it. You're exactly right. Uh, sometimes we don't realize our condition.
Terror way. 
He talked to the disciples as they were boarding that boat. He said, what are you getting in the boat for? We're going to go with Jesus. Well, how come? What you, what, what, what's your relationship to this Jesus? What would they have said? disciple of this great prophet. Alright. Disciple of the great prophet. Did they believe in him? I think so. Um, this is the Messiah. This is the promised Savior. Um, you might remember Andrew when he found uh, Jesus. You know, one of the, he's the one. Uh, this is it. Goes and gets his brother, you know. And so here we have them who have come and found Jesus. Do they have faith? Yeah. Are they disciples? Absolutely. They follow Jesus? Yeah, we're with him. They get in the boat. There's a great storm, a tempest comes up, the waves crashing over, a terrible storm, the boat's covered with the waves. Hmm. Now what do you say to him? So tell me, what do you think of this guy? They do go to him. Yeah. Um, Lord save us, we are perishing. And yet their faith is pretty shaky all at the same time. He was asleep. They're fishermen. They're seasoned veterans of this lake. They, they, uh, they should be able to handle it. Karen, you ought to be able to handle this. Uh, Jesus is this prophet from Nazareth. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, these, these, are, these are boat guys, fishermen and sailors. They, they should they probably exhausted every effort to save both. Right. And yet here, they have completely given up. They are, in fact, they're sure we're dying. We're all dying. Um, and what's the problem? Jesus is sleeping. Karen, what are you thinking? I think they're dragging something around with them like the rest of us. <laughs> what the hell? I think they're dragging an anger around with them like the rest of us. The sinful anger? Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. Back of the anchor. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Jesus must be a really sound sleeper. <laughs> Jesus. He's sleeping. He's and it's amazing because they they understand that they're with the Messiah, but they still don't trust it. They think that he has to be awake. Um, or, for Epiphany 3, you know, when uh, Jesus says, I'll go to your servant's house and I'll heal him, and the centurion says, no, you don't have to go, just say the word, most of us say, oh no, you have to come. You can't just say the word. I can't just have your word on this. You have to come to my house. You have to, I mean, you're right. They say, Jesus, you're in the boat, but that's not good enough. You're going to have to be awake. You're going to have to do something. We don't, this isn't working for us. Veil, but we also, our frame of reference is the creation.
I think their faith is undergoing a great storm. I think their faith is being tossed. Before, everything's fine. We got the Messiah, everything's great. At this point, you know, what, what are they? They're screaming like little baby girls, and they're asking Jesus and saying, what are we going to do? And we're all going down. And, you know, at this point, you know, are you going to say to them, they're going to go, faith, I don't know what faith is. Wake the guy up. We're all going to die. And they never get better, even after all the miracles at the end when he's arrested, they scatter. Yes. They never get better. Hmm, sounds like our sinful nature discussion. Hold on. So, you say the situation changed, and it did. Let's go back to, as Pastor Roon talked about, where we look to, that is, to the Word, not to our thoughts, words, and, and, and deeds. Um, let's compare to this particular situation. The situation has changed. When we're standing on the land, everything's fine. When we're in the boat and the waves are coming over and Jesus is asleep, um, we're pretty sure that we're in great trouble and we can handle it and, we're not, and, and we, we need to rely upon Jesus. What changed? We couldn't handle it. We're looking well, at the situation. I mean, that's the only thing. Is Jesus any different? Is the word any different? Is, you know, Part of the problem is we thought we were all right when we were standing on the shore. <laughs> because why? Why did we think we were all right there? We're, we're good here. Because the situation. What were we looking at that we thought everything is great? The situation. We're standing on the shore, and when it's calm, we say, I've got a strong faith. Jesus and I were just like this. Oh, yeah, I'm trusting in it. And then when the situation changes, what are we looking at that made us decide that this is all wrong? The situation. The situation. We're looking at the waves. We're looking at this. Um, Jesus himself gives us a picture of faith. Yes. What does he do? He's asleep. He's calm. There's not a problem here. Perfect faith in the midst of the storm says what? Faith. Why can faith do that? Why can faith comfort? Yeah, because we ask the wrong questions. We say, are you going to save me from this? He already did. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter if you go down or you don't go down. You're, he already saved you. Correct. And so when we talk about I've been baptized, God made me a promise and I'm his child. And so what do I say? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the situation is. I wasn't in any, I thought, any great danger in the calm, but when I'm in the boat, I'm in, you know. But the point is, is that I'm looking to Jesus. Faith trusts in God and says, you know what?
God's got this in control. And I, I, am I going down? If I am, it doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? At the end of the storm, what happens? Jesus, they wake him up, and Jesus says to the storm, Be still, and it is. Who is Jesus? If the storm takes me under, I still got a Jesus who's greater than the storm. He's not in creation. He's outside of creation. He's the one who is providing. Faith looks to Jesus and says, this is taken care of. Right? Um, so, when I remind uh, uh, Keith Zimmerman, you know, Keith, you've been prepared for this all your life through the preaching of God's word. I said, I don't know if you're going to get better and die later or if you're going to die soon. I go, but you're ready. You know that, don't you? You know that your Jesus saved you and you're going to heaven. You're taken care of. He goes, I didn't know that. Thank you for reminding me. Now what? Don't look at the storm. Why am I, why am I trying to figure out based on the storm? I have someone greater than the storm that I can go to. Jesus lets us know what faith does. In the midst of that, what does it do? Now, yes, we see these disciples. Are they without faith? Absolutely not. They had faith when they were on the shore, and when they get into, what do they do? They cry out to Jesus himself. Um, absolutely. Were they taken care of? Absolutely. Are you, do you call upon them in the day of trouble? Well, of course you do. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, nevertheless, uh, to, to have increased anxiety and the you know, blubber, I, I, you didn't need to do that. You just needed to call upon him. And so they do. They call upon him. Um, are they perishing? I guess. I, I, they're all dead. They're, <laughs> right. Right. But Mark, the men marvel at this. Why do they marvel? Verse 27, so the men marveled. Well, again, they're, they're with the Messiah, and they understand that. But they don't seem to understand that they're with God. I mean, who, who else could do that? You know? but they're, they're expecting Messiah. I, I, as I understand, they're expecting Messiah who's going to be like some great, great king to lead Israel to freedom. They're, they're not giving God enough credit at all. And I don't think it's a matter of them, you know, I don't think if you would ask them, you know, is Jesus the Son of God? I don't think necessarily they would just say no, you know. But they just, it's not put together, you know. I confess all the time that Jesus is my Savior, but then why, when I get in trouble, do I question whether I'm going to perish or he's going to save? Well, of course he's going to save. Why do they, after being told over and over again, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, Karen, what did you have before? Oh, I'm just... No. <laughs> well, that's meant to me, too. Yes. Um, I was thinking that about the... We just, we just can't understand how big it is, what God is, the Son of God. And that's all they're doing. I mean, I'm not saying that's all they're doing, but... Is so, that what that is? I don't know. I don't think it's a reason understanding 
that kind of thing. No. Yeah. Um, it, it's simply a matter of the promise that God has given us is so great that our weakness of faith doesn't trust in that. Um, and there are so many things in which we say, God can't be really offering me that greater gift. Or, when I get in trouble, then I'll ask, ask, then I'll ask him. But I, I can handle this up to this point. Um, no, what they needed to learn from this is, when you're standing on the shore, you need to be calling upon Jesus because you're already in the day of trouble. Well, it's amazing to me because when they woke him up saying, Lord, save us, what did they expect him to do? Somebody pointed out that they were, they were fishermen. They knew about rough water. But what did they expect him to do? Well, it certainly is apparent that they did not expect him to tell the storm. Well... What does the fisherman ask the carpenter for help with the boat, right? <laughs> so this is this is so indicative of human nature. They ask for help and are stunned when they get it. Well, who is it? And he did something that that that's what the, the, the marvel they, they marveled, well certainly they marveled because they completely misunderstood God. When you see somebody marveling in Scripture, that's never a good thing. And then, so then they ask the question, and it's sort of a rhetorical question, isn't it? Who can this be? Even the winds and waves obey him. But it has to be God. He has to be God. There's no other answer. Did they know that? Well, sort of, but did they understand it? I, I don't think so. Because, well, they're just like us. The well, yeah, they are. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. We're, we're just people, and we cannot can't comprehend God. He's always several, but he's long as <laughs> The problem is not the crying out. The problem is before they get in the boat, they're not crying out. Once they get in the boat, faith is now revealed. The weakness of faith showed that they didn't cry out before, but now they are crying out. That's faith. That's it. That's good. You have one more thing. Just have it. God, the Son of God, Jesus, is powerful. The wind and the waves obey him. We have one who is greater than the wind, who's greater than the waves, who's greater than death who's greater than whatever it is that is afflicting you or coming at you. Uh, we have a God who is greater than that. But to say that we have an awesome God who is powerful is not yet enough. During the Epiphany season, he is revealed to be true God. He turns water into wine. He heals a uh, leper. He Now you get this wind and the sea away. Who is he? He's the Son of God. What we need to learn is that this Son of God uses his power to do what? To serve us, to help us. He uses his power to, well, 
because he loves us. It's a graciousness. He doesn't help those who help themselves. He doesn't help those who deserve it. Here is one who is wishing to help us. He wants us to call upon him. Why? Because he wants us to, wants to help us. Uh, there are so often that we don't trust because we think we'll take care of it. We don't trust because we don't think he's going to help. We don't, finally, when I get up enough nerve, then I'll do it. No, now will be a good time. Right now. Because he is good. And he's going to use this for my good. Uh, if it's good for me to perish, then I will perish. Uh, that is, I'll go down, so you can take me If not, the Lord will take care of this. And so we have a... Uh, uh, a God who is working out things for our good. I mentioned on the back of the bulletin the difference between filial fear and servile fear. Filial fear, or servile fear, is that of a servant. I'm afraid I'm going to be punished. So therefore, I'm going to do what you say because I don't want you to punish me. Filial fear is the fear of a son. I fear to displease my God. And so, do I fear and love God so that? Yes, I fear to displease him. I don't want to. That's the new Adam in me. The old Adam in me, it's simply servile. It is simply running away. But the filial one comes, I come to God because I have a good Heavenly Father, and I know he will hear me, and I know he wants the best, and he's working out uh, these things for me. something that really strengthens your faith. Because I found every time in life when something happens, you know, my faith is stronger when I get through it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. God's not trying to tear us down. No. Isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but instead, he's trying to teach us to direct our attention to his word. To look right away. To look right away. To look right away. Yes. Uh, and so that is a repeated thing, isn't it? To bring us back to that. Uh, to strengthen that weak faith. Weak faith says, we'd like to strengthen that faith. Questions? Comments? All right. Let's get out our Or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, 
or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the hogs, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into heaven. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From death he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. as may support us in all dangers 
and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us that we might live in our baptism each day, confessing sins and rising through that absolution to live a new life. We give thanks to you for a good report uh, that came back for Kim. Uh, we ask your continual uh, presence. We ask also uh, your grace upon uh, OSHA. Uh, we ask that you might give uh, skills and uh, diagnoses uh, for the doctors and, and nurses. Uh, we commend all things into your good and loving hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. O oh God, from whom come all holy desires, all great counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commands, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen.